Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. Allianz Supporting all 32 counties Through the Allianz Leagues Hello and welcome to the Throw-In Independent.ie GA podcast in association with Alliance. I'm Will Slattery. No Michael Verney this week. He is over in Cheltenham on horse racing duty, but I am delighted to be joined in studio by Vincent Hogan and Donica Boyle of the Irish Independent and on the line by Waterford legend John Milan. And guys, I'm not sure if it's because Galway maybe haven't had as eye-catching a league campaign as some other teams, or maybe I've just failed in my duty as a host, but we haven't really talked about them a whole lot over the last few weeks, so it's just as well that they're front and centre after last weekend with with their victory over Tipperary, Donica. After being in such a big hole at half-time, I know you were down in Salt Hill where, as always, the weather was quite changeable, but it was a very impressive victory to dig it out. They were in a huge hole, but the wind was, as it always is, nearly in Salt Hill, it was very, very strong blowing into the into the uh into the, the city end if you like um um and at halftime Tipperary was seven points up and you're thinking yeah would it need to be at least that given the the strength of the breeze but uh, when you looked at the game a little bit closer Tipperary scored after three minutes uh John McGrath scored a goal after three minutes and then in the last five minutes of the half they had scored tip by one three to a point and everything in between that was very very even and well contested and it turned into a battle in the middle of the field the pitch was the sod was very dead you could see it even for John McGrath's first goal it was sort of a, a clearance and and maybe you'd expect the ball to carry on a little bit more than it did but it, this dead sod killed the ball into John McGrath's hand and he did brilliantly from there to score a goal so um, it, when you looked at the clo- first half a little bit closer there was probably signs there that Galway were performing a little bit better and you know, eventually they got on top, I think it was the 56th minute or something with Conor Whelan's second goal that they got ahead and it was only from there really that they stretched away. So, look, they'll be very pleased with it because, um, you know, there was no Joe Canning and Evan Nyland was absolutely brilliant from freeze. I had a quick look before we came down here. I don't think he started a league match um, this year, 14 points. Um, it might, he might have dropped one short and other than that, he was flawless, particularly into the, the teeth of the gale in the first half. He was excellent. Brian Concannon was really good. He linked up well with, with Conor Whelan. So Shane O'Neill, you know, that was my first time talking to him and he seems to be very calm, sort of uh, laid back sort of fella. He wasn't getting too carried away, but I'd say inwardly he was delighted. 
Yeah, Vincent, because obviously a very good win for Galway, and as Dunica mentioned, Shane O'Neill there, like he came into the job in very unusual and interesting circumstances. And I know you've covered Galway quite closely over the last few years, so you know well, you know what the state of their hurling is over down there at the moment. Like, where do you think they are in the in in their you know life cycle as a side? Obviously, when they won that All Ireland. There was a sense they were the team ready to kick on. Now there's been a bit of maybe stagnation. Michal Dunhu has stepped down. There was a bit of uncertainty about whether they are still up there with Limerick and Tipperary at the top table. Like, Are, are they as good as those teams for you? I think they are. Um, I think the, they've put back-to-back performances in this league that suggest to me Shane O'Neill knows exactly what people are saying about Galway. And even when they won the All-Ireland in 2017, the big debate was, you know, almost unique to go and go so many games without scoring a goal and still win the All-Ireland. And, you know, Colm Keyes did a piece in our paper there last week or the week before about their, their the absence of goals in this Galway team. I spoke to Damien Hayes a few weeks ago. He said that it really frustrates him to see forwards not taking their men on. Well, we saw against Cork, Brian Concanon dipping the shoulder and going past Bill Cooper as if he wasn't there. And I think I think Concanon now is... is three years in this squad and he is a different animal this year mm. he's he's very aggressive in his movement I've always spoken about corner forwards and we have one on the line there John Milan who was as good as anyone I've seen but I love a really aggressive corner forward who wants to take on his man all the time and, and we saw that in Concanon yesterday and the thing that strikes me about this Galway team is now suddenly you look at that inside line of Conor Cooney Conor Whelan and Brian Concanon it's a really potent looking inside line and Joe Canning still to come back and I think without Dahi Burke uh, you know at, at full back they looked a bit vulnerable yesterday the Tip's third goal was a work of art it was an absolute work of art the ball mm. going into Callan back out to Keen Darcy who had the option of an easy point and he picked out Jason Ford running in and you're looking at Tip at that stage and you say my god they're on fire but this is the second game in this league where Tip have been completely dominant at half time and then fallen away in the second half. Tommy Dunn did say it on television yesterday, seven points with that wind, they were going to have to work awful hard in the second half to get out the gate, and, and they didn't manage it. Hmm. We might move on to Tipperary in a minute, John, but first, you know, what did you make of Vincent's comments there, I guess, about uh, Galway's forward line? You know, It has been a criticism of them that they haven't been finding the net with that much regularity. They did get three goals yesterday, but like, what do you make of their forward and how they're moving in that regard generally? Yeah, I was at the game yesterday, and I was extremely impressed by Galway. At half time, you probably couldn't have foreseen the, the, the level of performance that they, they were going to bring in the second half. I mean, they scored 3 12 in the second half. I think in the first half, I think they were only have to register. And I think Evan Nyan got a point, and I think Brian Concannon got a point. But whatever was said at half time, their intensity levels went up. They were really aggressive in the tackle. And they were just a completely, totally different team. And albeit they had a lapse year last year, that can happen for a simple reason. A lot of a lot of that Galway team were on the road an awful long time, going deep into the championship into August, September since since twenty fifteen. So I think, you know, all the best teams in the Kilkenny's, the Tipperary's over the years, that can happen. But what Shane O'Neill has done, he's injected a couple of young lads in with the older lads, the likes of Darren Morrissey, Brian Kincannon, uh, Evan Nyland, Fintan Burke, who's a massive, who's going to be a massive player from, you know, coming coming back from, from the injury. And Vincent's right, Brian Kincannon now looks like a player that, he, he looks like a player that he's going to really become. 
a top, top class forward. He looks he looks like he's ready now. He's strong within himself. You know, I think, you know, sometimes it can take two or three years, but yesterday he was he was magnificent. He was my man of the match. And I like the I like what Shane Shane um, Shane O'Neill is is, is 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 the way Shane O'Neill is starting to um operate Galway this year in that, you know, you look the way he's managed Parik Mannion. Again yesterday, he got fifty minutes into Parik Mannion. Must be the Parik Mannion is, is coming back from an injury for the simple reason that, you know, within the last four or five games he's got forty minutes. Then he's got forty five minutes. Yesterday he got 52, 53 minutes. And you look at even Joe Cannon. He's not rushing Joe back. This time last year, Joe was after playing the World of Hurling. He was after playing Welsh Cup Hurling. He was after playing every league game, every minute. And now he's just sitting back. And he's he's finding out an awful lot more about his panel. And he's saying to his panel, you know what? Let's, 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 let's see what you can do without Joe Cannon. And they're coming with all the answers. And we, and we touched on it last week uh, with Cork that we felt when Cork went down to... 14 men last week that you know we were asking the question of, of, of Cork you know maybe that was going to be their their monumental moment in, 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 in the season where, where they go on and kick on with 14 men but you know yesterday could be the defining moment for, for Galway where we might be looking back in, in July August and saying you know what that second half against Tipperary there were 7 points down a 15 point swing you know in the space of 7 days they did the same against Cork and I think Dolly are going to be serious serious contenders this year Interesting there Dunica is one of the key points that John raised the kind of the, the need to reseed the panel with some of these younger guys because of, like the, the core everyone knows how great those guys are they you know they carried them to the All-Ireland final after winning it you know and, and went down early to Limerick but if they can add three, four new faces, you know, that little fresh blood could really get them back to where they, yeah. they want to be. I think they've been trying to do that mm. over the last couple of years because the thing we kept rolling out the year after they won the All-Ireland was that it was more or less the same 14 outfield players that they were going back to that no one had really laid a claim to a spot from that. So, But I, I think from 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 what I took from yesterday was was Brian Concanon because apart from the four points he made a brilliant fetch and, and turned to set up Conor Whelan for one of his goals So, and that was a real sort of um, like a stand up and be counted moment as well because it was a it was probably that ball came from 80 yards and one touch turn uh, he'd set up the goal for Whelan so you know he was not just he wasn't just uh, along for the spin in, in terms of like he was a senior man in, in, in that performance yesterday so I think that was um, that was good for Galway like I, I do think there's an asterisk over this just from Tipperary's point of view, because they're obviously heading off this morning. Um, you know, this time last year they did something very similar. They went away to Spain, and we all know what they did when they came back. Um, so, you know, talking to Liam Sheedy yesterday, you know, he he wasn't taking it, he wasn't taking it lightly by any stretch. But I do think there's a much bigger picture for Tipperary in this, and no more than last year. Starting the tenth of May when they go to Walsh Park to play Waterford, that's what all their eggs are in that basket. The same was, was a Cork that played in the first round last year mm. and it, all their eggs were in that basket 12 months ago and I think that's what you're looking at here again. Yeah, just before we move on to Tipperary, Vincent, uh, both lads have referenced Shane O'Neill and the job he's been doing with Galway. Like, you know, what's your read on him coming in in those difficult circumstances? You know, what can you tell us about him as a manager for people who mightn't be already familiar with him? What, what could we expect from him, do you think? Well, the one word that comes across with anyone you speak to, and I did a profile of him a couple, about a month ago, is uh, Cam very composed like largely in the national media we only know what he did with Napiersig and, and that's our only read on him 
but he he has a I get the impression he has a certain natural presence about him. He looked very composed mm. all the way through yesterday. You know, the concession of three goals in the first half won't won't have pleased him, that's for sure. But there was something, and I agree with John about this, that there was something relentless about the way the, the Galway team hunted down Tip. And sometimes you look at Galway and you wonder, is that manic desire in them? Um, because sometimes it's as if they almost go through the motions in games. I think what we saw in the second half yesterday was that hunting in packs that we see with Limerick very effectively. And Tip, I, you know, I know Tip are gone away on, on their trip today. I think Tip were trying to be very competitive in that game. But in the second half, they were just blown away. And it's interesting that I thought Conor Cooney looked to be coming back to his best. Conor Cooney probably suffered from the fact that God were bringing back Johnny Glynn previously, where Johnny Glynn would step into the situation and become the focal point of their attack. And Conor Cooney had to step out to the corner or whatever. He looks much happier in his skin now. Um, Evan Nyland, you know, looked really composed on the freeze, particularly into into the wind in the first half, a very tricky wind. So it, when Joe's not there, they, they have already made replacement in the freeze. And Conor Whelan, Conor Whelan's second goal, where he, he, come out, he came out, Ronan Marr is on his tail. And Ronan Marr, in my, in my opinion, is Tipperary's best defender. The way Whelan won that ball and turned back inside and the finish was just spectacular. We all talk about how good Joe Canning has been over the years, the last 10 years for Galway. Conor Whelan is right up there too. Mm. And you mentioned Tipperary there. You know, whenever I heard Liam Sheedy after a win or a loss during the league, he didn't seem two plus either way. And, mm. you know, I know you referred to how competitive they were yesterday and they wanted to win, I'm sure. But it just like last year in the league as well, there is a sense that he's really just building for the championship and he didn't really put a huge amount of stock in the end result. He maybe was interested to see how his guys developed and performed, but that ultimately he has the long game in mind. Yeah, I was talking to Dunica about that before we came down here. And, you know, I sat here in this studio probably exactly a year ago saying I thought Tip were in a spot of bother. And and the reason I said that was because none of the under-21 winning team or the under-20 winning team looked like they were going to be starters after the league last year. And and yet, and that was the case, but Tip went on a one-day All-Ireland and they won it even with Bonner Marr getting injured. So, ostensibly, yes, you can say that the gap now of whatever it is, nine weeks or whatever, before they go to Walsh Park and play Waterford in the Championship, well, it didn't bother them last year. We saw the, the way they turned up in Cork for the start of the Championship last year after going out in the quarterfinal of the league against Dublin. So they can manage that. I would think that he would have liked at least one compelling performance from his team. What he got was two compelling halves. The first half against Limerick in their opening game, they looked really superb. Second half, they fell away like a team that was in heavy training and they were behind everyone in terms of physical training. And then yesterday, like I said, that Jason Ford goal, a work of art, some of the points they picked off were stunning, but then they really fell away. And and I I look at some of the players that have been brought in, Kean Darcy, Ger Brown, um, a lot of Alan Flynn. Show me the player that is going to nail down a starting place going to Walsh Park on May the 10th. I, I don't see it. We didn't see Bonner Marr in the league. I thought he'd like to get a few minutes into Bonner, get him going again. Now, they're going away to training camp. There's a there's an argument to be made that Tip's training matches will be every bit as intense as a lot of the league matches. So maybe they're not that worried. But I, I would have liked to see at least one or two players that were saying to Liam Sheedy, you have got to start me in Walsh Park. And I'm not sure I've seen them. I think like on, on that team yesterday, like I think you're going to see 
like there was flashes from Porrick Mar, there was flashes from Ronan Mar. Um, Bubbles didn't score. You know how often will you say that? Uh, James Callan got a point. He had flashes again. Thinking there's going to be natural improvement in those fellas. I think Liam Sheedy knows exactly where he's at with regard to them. So it might be that if Tipperary are going to launch their first successful defence of Liam McCarthy since the 60s, I think, who gives it? 65. Uh, 65, that they will be going back to those key senior men And again. it is a huge thing in Tip, Will. You cannot overstate how important it is to Tipperary people that they've, they haven't backed it up since 65. When you look across the border at Kilkenny, how many times did they back it up? And Liam Sheedy is very clued into this, that the championship is all that matters. Mm. And, and, and Tipperary are really on a mission to put back-to-back All-Irelands. It's high risk as well. Like, you know, everything, the more than everything went into that game, it was a parky quave, I think, last year. And everything's going into Walsh Park again. And, and Waterford, I'm sure we'll get to them shortly, do look like a slightly different animal this time around in terms of they're much more resilient. And so... For for them to an extent, it's sort of a free shot at the All Ireland champions coming to town. You know, it's it, it, it. If it goes well for them, as it can last year, you can take off and off to go. You lose the first game, and then you're on the back foot, and you're let alone All Ireland. You're just trying to get out of Munster then at that stage. Yeah, John. Like, what's your feeling now, welcoming Tipperary to Walsh Park in that first game? Right? Do you think you're getting them at not a good time? They're the All Ireland champions, but as Vincent said, with that long nine week layoff now, and after a league campaign where they didn't really catch fire, it, are they slightly vulnerable? I, I, I most certainly don't think they're they're invincible. I don't think they're anywhere on the pathway of where Limerick and possibly Galway are at, are, are at the moment. So it will give Liam Cattle and our boys an awful lot of hope. And, you know, the tight confined spaces of Welsh Park, we've seen it yesterday, you know, when, you know, Galway really tightened it up around the middle third, really got in their faces. Tipperary boys didn't like it, Jesse, and I would give our ch- give, give give our boys every chance on on May the tenth. And I think an awful lot of it's going to come back to Liam Sheedy and his management team. You know what his eyes are going to witness over the course of the next eight to nine weeks. You know if if there's one of those young lads, say the twenty year old or twenty one year old, ever on the panel with Liam Cattle the last two years, if they are showing up well in training, does he throw them in and say, you know what? Two or three years, you're showing you're showing what you're well, showing me what you're capable of in training. I'm going to throw you in, or does he stay loyal to the lads that got him over the line uh, last year in the All Ireland? And I just think if he stays loyal to a couple of the lads, particularly in defence, I think they could struggle this year. I think you know if he goes down the Kilkenny route, and you often hear Tommy Welsh, JJ Delaney, you know, highlighting Cody over the years. You know, he'd sprinkle, you know, two or three players. And, and keeping it competitive and keeping lads on their toes uh, within the 15. And I think an awful lot of it's going to come back to Liam Sheedy and, and, and his management team in, in how Tipperary season is going to pan out. And I think an awful lot of that is going to come back to the selection of whether he's going to put in two or three of these uh, uh, All-Ireland winners of the, the last campaign, last year's ca- under-20 campaign and the previous under-21 campaign because they have... Uh, good talent there um, within those squads that can break into this Tipperary team. One team who was definitely going to be <coughs> rivaling them this year is Limerick Vincent who are you know, five from five in the, in the regular season now book a, a safe passage into the semi-final beating Waterford last weekend and when they are winning games like in that comfortable fashion you kind of you find it hard to believe they were beaten at all last year. Um, are they now the, the, the leading contender? Are they, are they the number one team at the moment? 
I think definitely they are. I mean, uh, if, if there's any stone in the shoe for John Kiley and Paul Kinnerk, I think it's that everyone is saying it. And, um, you know, there's a sense, if you even talk to Kilkenny people, it's it's as if they feel they sucker punched Limerick in the semi-final last year. You know, Limerick went into that game, they were league champions, they were Munster champions having beaten Tip by 12 points. And in the first 20 minutes, they were just hit by a Kilkenny whirlwind, which they didn't seem prepared for. And yet, coming down the, the home straight, you know, Limerick almost rescued it. And maybe if that 65 that they should have got had been awarded, it would have been a drawn game. And I think there is this sense that they were, they were just cut off guard in that semi-final. And that when, when you look at them, I, I think great credit is due to Waterford for their, their honesty of effort on Saturday night. I, I thought they were really committed against a team that looked better than them a team that looks better than most teams in the country, if not all at the moment. And the work rate of that Waterford team, something that I don't think they showed for for Porrick Fanning last year. I thought there was an honesty in Waterford that kept them... Like, to be just four points off that Limerick team um, at the end was a huge achievement for Liam Cahill and, and his players. I think they'll think great energy and hope out of it. But yeah, right now, you look at Limerick... They bring in the David Dempsey's, Connor Boylan's, and they look to the manner born. Everything about them is composure. And they have this physical presence in the middle third where they create this traffic and they just obliterate most teams with their physicality in that traffic. But Waterford got a point in the second half where I think it was Daly got it out in the right wing where if you win the Rooks, and that's a big if, against that Limerick team and you lift your head... There, there's huge open spaces in the pitch if you win the Rooks, but winning the Rooks against them is easier said than done. Yeah, John, what did you make of Waterford's effort uh, against Limerick? As Vincent said, you know, it, it contrast maybe to some of the Munster Championship games last year when they looked like the tide was against them, they really threw in the tail, whereas they really battled hard uh, last Saturday night. Well, I'll tell you, I'd say an awful lot of them waking up Sunday morning was very, very sore. You know, as, as Vincent touched on, the physicality, the power of, of those Limerick men and the hits that they put in. But I've got to give great credit to to, to um, Liam Carter. You know, he said to his panel, he said, look, we're making nine changes. We'll find out an awful lot more. I was actually down at a, a Club Dation event last Wednesday and I was absolutely, he spoke for 20 minutes. I was absolutely blown away by him. I love what he's doing with water at the moment. And I think, I, I keep banging the drum, I think Waterford Hurling is going to be in a fantastic place when he does decide to go. But again, you know, his team gave him everything last uh, last Saturday night. What I loved about him last Saturday night, there were eight points down, there were six points down, seven points down at some stage. Like, there was no, last year, that eight point, if there were eight points down, that would have became 10, it would have became 12, it would have became 13. They didn't throw in the towel. And they kept going to the end. They kept going to the end against Tipperary. And when you that that becomes a habit. When you keep going to the end, albeit you're getting beaten, what will happen in the summer is if you get into the habit of, of keep going to the final race or keep going to the final keep keep going keep fighting to the end, what will happen in the summer is just say if they're playing Tipperary and the game is in the balance with a minute or two to go and there's a point or two winners and you know in your in your own mind I'm going to that final whistle they will get rewarded. And, you know, you look at the, the players that they were missing the, the weekend, they were missing some, um, an awful lot of big players, but 
you know, the big plus is the form of Jamie Barney's. He's coming back to his, his form of 2016, 2017. Uh, Conor Prunty's on well as And, you know, we're seeing an awful lot of players that we hadn't seen the last couple of years. You know, you're seeing, I was being banging the drawer about Jack Fagan. He mightn't start come this summer, but he, he, he'll be a good option off the bench if, if, if he's called upon. There's a lad that came down from Meath. And, you know, it just goes to show you that all these, uh, you know, supposedly weaker counties, they are top-class horrors. This lad came down from Meath, played under DJ Carey, uh, Carlo AT. Um, DJ was very impressed by him. Couldn't understand how he wanted getting into the Waterford panel. And now, Liam Cattle is giving him his opportunity. Came on the weekend, got a lovely goal. And I love what Liam Cattle is doing. I'm very encouraged by what uh, is happening with Waterford uh, at, the, at the present moment of time. Uh, this Sunday we play Kilkenny another good test for us another good test for Liam Cattle and his squad and he'll learn an awful lot more come the weekend and it, it only bodes well going into the summer the, the interesting thing about both sides is that they had in very different ways but they both had a fairly difficult winter in terms of being in the news for the wrong reasons like Limerick's things obvious we've been through that the New York thing all that and that could have if Limerick made a poor start to the league that could be the narrative that we'll be talking about now that they've never recovered from that that you know that maybe things it is in the happy camper and they've gone out they've won five from five and all we're talking about is why they're the market leaders again and they've turned that around and that's impressive from, from John Kiley to deal with that situation which is very difficult and probably something he could never have prepared for and then have his team going really well again and Waterford in a different way and that you know some high profile people let go from 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 the camp and I suppose that again if if things were going bad for them or if the results weren't going their way or they weren't put in the performance of the world that would be the first thing they'd be thrown at Liam Cahill this was sure you left your three time all-star defender at home you know, you know what do you expect but they've managed those situations really really well so uh, they're both in, in in different ways, but they're both in a very good place and they've, they've managed to turn what could have been a really tricky winter into, you know, there's a bit of promise, uh, particularly for Waterford now, they seem like they're turning the corner. And Limerick looked like the team that they were last year when they held, they held all three titles at one stage last year, the Munster title of the league and the All-Ireland, obviously, from the year before. So, and they, they look like they're back in that sort of form again. I, I think the key quote from Liam Cahill after Saturday night's game was, it was a great learning experience for our players and for me. And he's showing that humility that he's learning on, on the run. And if you if you think humility is the key word for both Limerick and Waterford here, and I think in some ways, you're right, Donica, but John Kiley, I think, has used what happened last year and all the negative headlines that they got and more or less said to people, nobody is a cast iron certainty in this team. And you look at the strength of their squad. Mm. They have a hugely strong squad. There is nobody can say, I can just swan around here. I'm, I've got my place nailed down. What, what Liam Cahill has done with Waterford is he has said it's a blank sheet of paper. And we saw the, the, the high-profile people being omitted from the squad. But even now, there's question marks about Austin Gleeson and his quotes before the game on Saturday night was a lot of work to do. He wasn't really, you, you didn't have to read too deeply between the lines to see that even though he said Austin had a bit of a knock, he was saying a lot of work to do. And we're, we're here talking about a guy who was young player of the year and player of the year and is now in his third senior Waterford manager. And we're we're trying to figure out what's the best position for Austin Gleeson, who is one of the most talented hurlers in the country. And I think if Liam Cahill solves that puzzle and gets the best out of Austin Gleeson, and I, I, I'm saying here, and I've had this conversation with John before, I'm not even sure what 
Austin's best position is anymore? Do you give him the floating role? You know, he he, he started out as a centre-back with a minor team that won the All-Ireland. Um, I, I don't know what you do with Austin, but if you can find a way of getting Austin Gleeson really hurling and really relishing the battle, then you're halfway there to a Waterford team that will give Tipperary a serious, serious problem in Walsh Park. Yeah, John, do you want to come in on that one on Austin Gleeson? Yeah, well, look, I suppose Vincent's right is fine and he's his best position. I, I was talking to Tomás Mulcahy yesterday and Tomás was saying that he, he was disappointed that he got sent off last weekend because he felt that he was going very well number six. And a lot of it will depend on, on you know, Dara Fives and Ty De Burke, when they come back from injury, where they're going to fit in. Will, will either the two of them go to number six, which might effectively uh, allow Austin to probably maybe become an attacking probably wing back. But I don't know. On the flip side of that, I'm just saying, do we need a bit more punch up front? Uh, you know, you look at all the other four, uh, all the other four divisions. You know, I still think we 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 could be a, a small bit short up front. Maybe put him at eleven, but most certainly when he does come back, I do just think maybe possibly maybe eleven or six. But one sure thing. And I think Vincent knows probably Liam Cal. I don't know Liam Cal, but he strikes me as a person that um, he's not in the mobby cotton. And I think, you know, Austin will have to, you know, when he does, I think he's, he has a touch of an injury at the moment. So when, when he does come back, um, he'll have to get down to the brass tacks, get working hard again. And I think the biggest thing for Austin, and he probably admit this himself, is, is getting himself fit, getting himself focused. And if, if he's in the mood, He's fully fit. He's focused. For me, he's untouchable. I've seen that myself when he came back to America with Mount Zion uh, last year when they played my own club, De La Salle. He was unbelievable in the first half. He was fit. He was in the mood. And, you know, when he has all them characteristics, I don't care. I think there's no player in, 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 in Ireland um, would go and mark him. And... Vincent is right. Waterford become a different animal when he is in the mood and he's fully fit. So, look, it remains to be seen where 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 he's gonna where he's gonna gonna place him. Probably for me, maybe number five or, or number eleven. He's like, but Arden Waterford in a fairly strong place at the minute, where they're really competitive, ultra competitive with the form team in the country at the moment, and they still have him to come back into it. You know, yeah, isn't it? You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, and, but I think there's also a, a subplot to this that, you know, we're all thinking about May 10 now and Tip going down to Walsh Park. Liam Cahill won an All-Ireland under 21 and an All-Ireland under 20 in successive years as Tip manager and probably would feel he should have been given a shot at the senior job. Mm. But of course, Liam Sheedy coming back in, it was a no-brainer then. But Liam Cahill, you know, John used the expression, he doesn't he doesn't mollycoddle people. If, if anyone read the quotes from Liam Cahill as under-20 manager, as under-21 manager, about the TIP senior team, you're dead right, John. He does not mollycoddle people. And, he, and some of his quotes about Tipperary hurling in general, about the softness and not backing themselves up, um, very much in his philosophy and his DNA of hurling, that you, you put it all on the line and you, you don't slip into a comfort zone ever. I think you're going to see a different animal from Waterford this year. It's all about if he gets his... Selection right. Uh, he's using Patrick Curran, for example. There's a goal threat from Curran. He nearly got a goal on Saturday night. If if they can get a goal threat into that team, I th- I think they'll give anyone trouble. 
Because to, to finish just four points off that Limerick team on Saturday night, I think was a huge result for them. And, and you know, I, I think Liam Cahill will have gone away and said, I have these lads doing exactly what I want them to do. And if, if I get it right, we'll, we'll, we'll challenge anyone. Well, so it'll be very intriguing on May 10th anyway and the other game of the weekend was that relegation playoff Westmead versus Carlo Westmead won 17 to 2 eight winners and Killian Doyle won uh, I think 14, of, 14 of that yeah. total which is pretty impressive I guess the, the new league format was I think ostensibly set up to give counties like Westmead and Carlo more of a crack against the top teams like I know they lost off of their mm. regular season games like from that point of view you know do you think it was, was it still a success to give them that exposure or do you just look at it and think was it really worth all this jigging around if you just get the two teams getting paced at five times each and then playing each other at the end of it like we're constantly dealing or tinkering with structures league structures format championship I think you have to make a decision first of all what you want to achieve in the thing and what I do think the 1A 1B system where the top six were against the, the next six if you like that gave, if you take those teams, say, ranked 9 to 12, the Westmead, Carlos, that sort of leash, that sort of ilk of team, if you take them, they're getting the best of both worlds in the 1A, 1B because they're getting some top-class opposition and they're getting a couple of games maybe against teams off, off their ilk. And I thought, I think if that's what you're trying to do, I thought the 1A, while the 1A system didn't suit maybe the top six teams because they have to go hell for letter to beat each other and retain the 1A status, mightn't suit them. I thought maybe... The one B system was a little bit, uh, a little bit better for the, for those nine to twelve teams because they, you know, they might bring one of the top teams. Carlo might bring someone and give them a real rattle in Dr. Cullen Park or whatever. So I suppose it is really down to the counties themselves. I, I'd be interested to see what Westmead and Carlo think of it this morning. You know, do are they better served by what they've what they had this year other than what was in for the previous couple of years um like i but i do think whatever you're doing they have to be your priority those teams i don't think you need to be setting up a system that is works for the Kilkenny's and Corks and Tips and Waterfords or whoever else the team they're already established they're not going anywhere i think the next thing just from a, a broader point of view from the GA of getting another competitive Holland County, I think they are the counties you have to be helping. Yeah, is this system serving the top counties who didn't want to go hell for leather or is it serving the weaker counties? It's a great question. I mean, I think Westmead will tell you this morning they're happy with the system. Um, the thing that struck me was watching Killian Doyle. Uh, what a performance. I mean, and, you know, I my, my son played against Raharney in a challenge match for Kilmacud Croaks about three years ago. Um, and it was one of those beautiful summer evenings, and, and, and I, I think the Croaks lads thought they were in for an easy game, and they got an unmerciful trimming <laughs> off Raharney, and I'm pretty sure Killian Doyle was playing in that game, and, and they just, the standard of hurlers that we saw that evening suggested that mm -hmm. the Westmeads, the Carlos, like we, we've, we've seen Marty Kavanagh, for example, yeah. what an outstanding hurler. We've got to keep working on trying to get a system that's right. My worry about Carlo is I think that was their 13th successive defeat. Um, so I, I, I think what, what Dunnick is saying has a, a little bit of merit to it, that at some point for Colin Bonner, you're kind of saying, how can I keep selling positivity in a dressing room where we keep getting beaten? And I thought there was something almost, I mean, they were, they were looking with the, the six points margin, probably flattered Carlo in the end. We saw a bizarre own goal from Angus, um, Angus Clark, is it? Angus Clark, yeah. Um, who had an outstanding game for Westmead. I, I, I'd love to hear what Colin Bonner 
feels about it because all of the positivity around Carlo over the last couple of years it's kind of dissipated a bit and this morning they must be feeling really flat mm, yeah John what, what what do you make of what the lads are saying there around I guess getting the balance right between giving the weaker counties a bit more exposure against the top teams and not kind of trying them to the wolves completely yeah but I think that has to be a smaller reality too that I think some of these sides are going to be seesaw sides where they're going to be up and down and up and down. I think that's just the reality of it. I think Vincent's 100% right. I think some of these players would grace any side. And, and you're, you're on about Killian Doyle, the lad full-back Tommy Doyle. I mean, he's marked the best of players over the years and, and Westmead have conceded big scores. But this lad number three, you know, you ever look and pick up a paper... And the lad that he's marking, whether it be a Seamus Callan or be it a Patrick Horgan, they, they, they very rarely register um, big scores off of, uh, of, of a Tommy Doyle. I think it's very encouraging for, for West Meads. It's disappointing for Carlo, but the reality of it is, you know, I think Carlo, I think they are going to be one of those seesaw sides. You know, you go on the two way then with, with Offaly and Antrim yesterday. I think, you know, an awful lot of people are touching on on the Sunday game last night that it was a big setback for for Offaly Hurling. I don't think on the grand scale of things that it's 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 a massive setback for for Offaly Hurling. I think the big picture for Offaly Hurling this year is they have to win the the Christie Christie Ring Cup. And sometimes I think you have to give credit where credit is due. The easiest thing for Antrim Antrim yesterday would have been to to roll over and say, look, we're six points down, lads. We'll get ready for the final uh, next week against Antr- against Offaly again. But they didn't. They kept the feel good factor going, the momentum going of, of being unbeaten. And we gotta we gotta give great credit to Darrell Gleason. He's doing doing a fine fine job up there in uh, up in the northern. Before I go, I'd just like to ask the lads the question of the coronavirus. Like I'm watching events in Italy, uh, you might think I'm I'm mad in saying this. We could be going on to going into uncharted waters with this coronavirus and the obstacles that could be in play could be could play against uh, Crow Park like the reality of it is lads if one or two lads in a, in a, in a, in a, in a county panel pick up this, this virus you could you could find that you know a whole squad of players might have to go into quarantine you know if another squad picks up one or two pick up the virus as well I mean we're, we're going into uncharted waters in regards fixtures being called off right. I'd just like to ask the, the lads their opinion on, on what, what they think well, the Serie A games are already behind closed doors aren't they so you know that's there seems to be inevitability about the way it's going and it is curious in the very least that Cheltenham's going ahead um, just given the the mass of people who would, who will mix there and we were um, talking about how absurd it is it, you know the Premier League players are told not to shake hands beforehand, but then they score a goal and they're hugging and kissing. And uh, and you've <laughs> like at Anfield, you've fifty four thousand people crammed in tight, and none of it really makes much sense. And I'm I'm going to Cheltenham this evening, and I'm a little bit amazed that it's going ahead. Um, it seems to me there's an element of making it up as they go along. I think the Patrick's Day parades sounds to me like they may be cancelled. I think John is spot on. You know, there, there's no sense of to me, clarity in terms of, you know, what we're doing with this. And, um, you know, there was, a, there was one newspaper yesterday, with the worst case scenario, we could have 1.9 million people in this country infected by the coronavirus. It's very much up in the air. We don't know where this is heading. Mm. 
Well, on that note... Uh, no, you, you had no notes prepared for that. No, you? I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> John Milan has caught me off guard. Good man, uh, John. No, but uh, on that note, guys, you know, thanks very much for coming in. John, Dunnicke, Vincent, thanks very much. Well, well I'm in. Cheers, well. That's all we have time for in the throw on this week in association with Alliance. We will be back next week with another podcast reviewing all the football and hurling action. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next week, thanks for listening and goodbye. Allianz. Supporting all 32 counties through the Allianz Leagues.